Hello, and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of The Conversation, we're going to talk with John Burke, an ecologist with maintenance and stormwater management. That's part of the county's Department of Public Works and Environmental Services. And we're going to be talking about water chestnuts. They've been found on the Virginia side of the Potomac River in Fairfax County's Pohick Bay. And John is here to tell us all about them and that and why we should be concerned or if we should be concerned, I guess. So, John, thanks for being with us on the conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Water chestnuts. I know uh, I get them occasionally in some Chinese uh, mm-hmm. meals that I have. So, is this a good thing or a bad thing that we're talking about water chestnuts? Oh, it's good that we're talking about it. And uh, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the cuisine aspect of things. So this is not the exact, well, it's not the, not the plant that we eat. Okay. Um, this is a, a separate a separate group of plants. And uh, we collectively refer to them as water chestnuts, um, uh, even though they're not the same food. Okay. Um, I was getting excited there. I was like, well, great. We've got a new, <laughs> uh, a new food source there. Yeah, so. we wouldn't have a problem if okay. that was the case. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so it, it, it is a problem or can be a problem. That's correct. Okay. And uh, what we're doing right now is we're really paying attention to the spread of this plant. It was introduced uh, in in the north uh, around New York, probably uh, around 1887 is what they what they think. Uh-huh. Uh, most most scientists think it was probably 1887, roughly, and it spread uh, quite quickly down to our neck of the woods. Virginia, last time I checked, is about the southernmost extent in the United States for this plant. Hmm. And it's made its way through various water bodies. It can, it's an aquatic plant, and it can survive in ponds, lakes, slow-moving oh, wow. rivers. Wow! And uh, now it's it, it's showed up in Virginia. It's it's been here in Virginia since probably, or at least in the Potomac River, since probably the the late 1920s. Oh, wow! Yeah, and there was there was quite a heavy infestation of it in the Potomac River itself. Hmm. So at one point we had. Uh, estimated 40 miles of the stuff in the Potomac wow. USGS wow. Uh, estimates around 40 miles, so it has the real potential to wow. to dominate these aquatic ecosystems. Okay, so and 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 I'm a, and I don't you know this is a subject matter I know nothing about, <laughs> so <laughs> everything I'm going to be asking you I, I I have no pre you know no no knowledge of just maybe some preconceived notions here, so I'm assuming that too much of this is bad. That's correct. Okay, and is there any good benefit? Of the water chestnut plant here. So in in the late 70s and early 80s, there was a study done on the Potomac River by the USGS that was assessing the river for aquatic vegetation, okay. specifically submerged aquatic vegetation, the stuff that grows underwater, mm-hmm. um, doesn't really break the surface. And what that study found is that uh, there was hardly any aquatic vegetation growing, submerged aquatic vegetation growing in the Potomac River in the small portion that they sampled, uh, which was right around here in the D.C. area. Now, since that time, there have been a lot of efforts put forth to promote aquatic vegetation and a lot of things that we've been doing on the land that have promoted uh, vegetation growth in the Potomac, including removing sediment from getting into uh, the Potomac so Mm -hmm. it improves water clarity, Mm -hmm. which allows sunlight to penetrate and plants to grow. Also, just general water quality improvements, as well as some uh, plantings of actually people going out and planting different types, different species in the Potomac to encourage them to grow. 
So having no plants you know, is certainly not good for an ecosystem. Okay. And if we didn't have anything at all, then maybe water chestnut might be okay. But really the, the issue with water chestnut is that once it enters a system where there are no or very few natural predators that are going to eat it, it tends mm. to uh, take over. Okay. And unfortunately for those submerged aquatic plants that we talked about you know, that, that are starting to emerge or have emerged again in the Potomac, water chestnut will actually block sunlight you know, from getting oh, to them. Okay. Okay. So this plant is the type that will grow on the surface. Uh, it's rooted in the bottom of the stream or pond, but it actually has a leaf floret that grows on the surface, almost like a pond lily. You can think of like okay. a lily pad. Okay. Um, and it will shade out other plants, and it grows in very thick mats. That's mm. the big problem with it. So okay. you'll have large areas where this plant is shading out the bottom, gotcha. preventing sunlight from from penetrating into okay. the water column. So folks that are that are out on lakes, out on the bay, you know, in the in the rivers, maybe on the shore, they can see these water chestnut plants probably. Is that, is that true because they're up on the on the top? That's correct, yeah. So folks can actually see them. They emerge uh, like many plants around here in the springtime. Okay. Um, and what you'll see uh, through the spring is a, it, it's we call it a, a rosette, and it's made up of multiple small leaves in a circle-type shape. And in the middle of that rosette or among those leaves, as you move into June, we'll have small white or pink flowers, and then mm. into July and and later in the summer, we'll, the plants will form fruits, which are large, uh, dark, spiky fruits. They've got two to four spikes on them. And when mm. I say spikes, these are almost an inch long, uh, wow. multiple sides of these seeds oh. that, that the plants will bear, and then those will uh, fall off um, and either float away, get carried away by waterfowl, um, or, or stay in the sediment. And they can, they can remain viable for up to 12 years. Wow. So but, that's how the, the plant spreads. That's correct, yeah. And one plant can produce up to 400 uh, viable uh, other plants wow. uh, for the next generation if, wow. if conditions are right. Right. We're recording this in, in the fall, in, in November. Um, the weather has really, at the time of this recorded recording, just really starting to turn you know, toward fall, toward cool weather. Um, does that help... Um, the plant grow, or does that help us um, deter the plant growing and, and the, the cold temperatures, I guess, is what I'm getting to? Well, like I said, the plant started started off its uh, invasion of the mid-Atlantic in New York and in the mm. northern region, which tends to have cooler climates. So um, my my best guess would be that, you know, we're not going to see a lot right. of, of seasonal impacts from, from the colder weather. They, they're typically not they're typically uh, not emerged at this point. They've they've died off, just oh, like okay. many other plants. Okay. And um, there is some there is some thought that seasonal variability in weather and rainfall can impact the success of these plants. But mm. not a lot of research has been done on that yet right. to to tie those uh, local climate conditions to the the success of this plant right. in our water bodies. Right. You we, we talked about submerged aquatic vegetation, mm-hmm. which the water chestnut is in that category, or that's that's what we're calling it. And it's, I guess a little bit of it is okay, but too much of it is a bad thing for our bodies of water. What are some good submerged aquatic vegetation that, that we're talking about? Are there uh, an example of or a couple of things that, that we really wanna see in our, in our ponds and our lakes and, and rivers and that kind of thing that the water chestnut may be, may be hurting or hampering? Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. And you know, the, 
I guess if you were to classify water chestnut, it is it is an emergent plant. It does actually break the surface oh, okay. of the water, okay. um, but it does shade out those submerged okay. plants. So okay. the, the good blends you're talking about are things like uh, eelgrass, which you may have heard about. Uh, there's been a lot of effort in the Chesapeake Bay and its tributaries to plant more eelgrass. Mm. Um, and that is, a, as the name implies, a, a grass that grows underwater. And it is something that serves as a food source for a lot of our aquatic organisms, but also serves as a, a nursery for juvenile organisms, mm. you know, especially crabs and things like that. In addition to that, we have things like wild celery um, we see growing in the Potomac. Um, and typically when you find you know, these submerged aquatic plants, you know, it's a conglomerate of, of different species that mm. form uh, what we typically refer to as like, you know, a nursery area, okay. especially okay. Right, when you right. get into like our uh, coastal and estuarine environments, you know, where the freshwater and the saltwater start mixing. You know, those are very highly productive systems. Uh. And these plants uh, serve as not only a staple food source for a lot of our aquatic organisms, but also a place where, like like the name implies, young organisms can seek shelter right. until they get big enough to make it out into the open ocean or gotcha. to go upriver. Gotcha. So the the water chestnut, you talked about it earlier. The, you said I think you said there was not a natural predator. So is the water chestnut a, a food source for uh, for anything, or is it is it just just there and not really serving any purpose, and then that helps it to keep growing and multiplying and then causing these negative effects on the the vegetation and the, and the other life in the in the water bodies. Yeah, there's not there's not to my knowledge a prominent predator in this area that could eat this plant mm. at fast enough rate to control it. Wow. Uh, I suspect that uh, geese may be eating it when it's young and uh, intro- other introduced species like the grass carp uh, which is typically introduced to ponds and lakes to control vegetation, hmm. maybe a way of uh, a way of controlling it through predation, but there are there are thoughts that maybe introducing a biological control from another country, experimenting with something like that, hmm. uh, maybe per- perhaps an insect, mm-hmm. could be effective. And I know for other uh, invasive plants, and this is an invasive plant, you know, it, it takes over uh, a, an area, a niche, an ecosystem, and it comes from a a different region of the world right. um, with other invasive plants and other invasive organisms these biological controls can be effective but they're con- typically controversial because right. what you have there is you're introducing another organism to control right. the one you've already got right wow we're talking with john burke an ecologist with uh, the county's department of public works and environmental services and we're talking about water chestnuts which have been found on the virginia side of the potomac river in fairfax county's pohick bay and i got to tell you i am i am my mind's just bursting here i'm just i'm learning so much science and ecology and that type of thing was not a very strong suit of mine in, in school so i'm i'm learning a lot how did you learn so much how did you get in, into this line of work, becoming an ecologist? Was it just kind of a, a natural curiosity you had when you grew up and you just kind of found your way into this this line of work? Yeah, I, I think I can speak for the other ecologists that I work with, that that tends to be where where this fascination uh, kind of uh, blossoms, if you'll pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the folks that I work with and have worked with here in Fairfax County that are ecologists typically had a childhood interest in, in some subject related to either water quality, uh, biology, the natural world in general. And that 
if that's fostered and, you know, there's a lot of great schools and institutions around Virginia, but also in the mid-Atlantic and across the country that have great programs. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's fostered, you know, it it turns out to be a very fulfilling field to be in because right. not only are you doing what you like, but you can also help, in this case, the county put its best foot forward in how to improve uh, its its footprint uh, on on the natural world and also promote stewardship, environmental stewardship in mm-hmm. the county. That's true. Good point. Good point. What, main, um, maintenance and stormwater management, that's that's part of the county's larger Department of Public Works and Environmental Services. Uh, quick highlight, maintenance and stormwater management. What, what exactly does that, is it a division? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, it's what, a division of stormwater. Okay. What does that division do? Ballpark. I mean, not ballpark, but uh, big picture. Big picture. Yeah. So uh, MSMD, as is, is the acronym is, okay. um, right. it's made up of a, a, an amazing crew of folks who oversee the maintenance and, as the name implies, management of our stormwater facilities okay. here in Fairfax County. Now, when I say facilities, that can range from anything from an enhanced extended detention pond those are the ponds that have natural plantings and look like wetlands, mm. uh, which I manage to things like uh, other types of low-impact developments, LIDs. Those could be like the permeable pavement that you see being installed here um, over at, across the street at Harity. It could be other things like tree filters you may see, mm. which are the uh, those little grates have the tree growing out of them. Gotcha. Um, but typically, most of the work that we do in sur- sur- uh, revolves around ponds, stormwater ponds. Okay. That's typically where most of the work goes. And we've got an awesome uh, maintenance crew and an awesome group of engineers, planners, and ecologists that work together to, to get the job done mm-hmm. when these systems need maintenance. Right. In addition to that, we also coordinate with contractors to get the work done. And um, the ecology, the, or the ecologists in this section, not only manage these subsets of facilities, uh, you know, so like I said, I handle the enhanced extended detention ponds and the maintenance thereof, but we also help guide MSMD in general to the best practices from an ecological standpoint. Gotcha. So making gotcha. sure that that the seed mixes and the plants that we put in at these facilities mm. are something that you would find locally here in Fairfax County that would historically have grown here. Right, right. And when we come across things like water chestnut that's growing in our ponds, making sure that we take the correct proper steps to responding and controlling it. Okay. So what what are those steps? What what is the county doing? What are y'all doing? What can be done to to try to control this invasive plant as you said? So the plant can be controlled uh, in a couple ways. The most prominent way you'll see it controlled throughout the Mid-Atlantic and the North is through large-scale mechanical removal, mm. and that's typically on large bodies of water. So, for example, in Pohick Bay, the Virginia Department of Game and Inland Fisheries is able to recruit volunteers to actually go out and rake rake the plant out of the water, and you can just pile it up in a big area let it decompose, and once it's out of the water and decompose, uh, and if you do this before seed drop, you you don't have to worry about that particular generation of plant wow. dropping seeds. And then also herbicide application can be effective as well. Typically for an, a, a successful program, and we're still learning you know, across the country what a successful program means for maintenance of water chestnut, you'd want to have both. That seems to be the most effective hmm. approach. Now, in Fairfax County, the water chestnut that we're seeing pop up in our stormwater ponds mm-hmm. is actually a separate species from what we've seen historically in Virginia. Oh, wow. So the scientific name for what 
the water chestnut that we saw in the Potomac, like we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, taking up 40 miles. You know, that was Trapa natans. That's the scientific name. But this this new species, with, which USGS, the U.S. Geological Survey, okay. is working on, um, they don't know its origin, and they're still learning what species we're actually dealing with wow. because th- this group is so diverse and there's so many different species. Huh. And we're starting to see that pop up in our stormwater ponds. And this is the first year that we've really noticed it in more than, say, one or two. Interesting. So our approach uh, has been a combination of mechanical and herbicide application, mm-hmm. but we're looking for potentially more wide-scale mechanical right. approaches right. because we're concerned that this plant may begin showing up in other ponds as well. Right. And when you're talking about this mechanical removal, which mm-hmm. is essentially raking it up, as you said, mm-hmm. does that have to be done during the spring or summer when the plant is visible on the top of the surface? Yeah, that's generally when it's most effective. You okay. want to get it after it's emerged, uh, preferably before it's flowered and gone to seed. Right, okay. Because once those seeds form, you know, you're too late. So when you when you rake it mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of pull it up, do you have to get it all from the from the root level? Does that is that what happens? Or, I mean, is it like thistle? You have to kind of get it from the root or it just keeps coming back? Yeah, you want to get it from the root. Okay. Uh, and a lot of times it doesn't even involve... A rake or a, a tool, although that's what a lot of folks use. It's easy enough to pull up from the root that you can do it by hand, and that's actually what I've done and our group has done at ponds where you've seen it in, okay. in low numbers. Okay. Now, so I'm I'm interrupt. So I'm assuming you're talking about close to the to the shoreline where Certainly. it's not too deep. Mm-hmm. So d- does it grow near shorelines that type of thing, or can it be further out where it's deep and it's harder to get? Yeah, typically it grows in shallow water. Near, oh, okay. Typically near, okay. near the shoreline, and. Um, you know, I, I don't want to encourage folks to go out into Fairfax County stormwater ponds and start ripping stuff <laughs> and start up. ripping the stuff up. Not only is there a danger, you know, these ponds are filled with silt; and they can fill with water quite quickly. But uh, until you know what you're looking for, you know, there right. are a lot of beneficial native plants we have in our stormwater ponds right. that we're fostering and trying not to. Well, remove. and that was a question I was going to ask: What can a resident do or should do? Oh, that's a great question. So I think if you see this plant growing in your pond, and typically it'll have these round. Uh, uh, rosettes made up of multiple small leaves and a small white or pink flower, and it forms mats on the surface of the water. If you see anything like that, um, you can feel free to give me a call if you're in Fairfax County. My name is John Burke, and my phone number is 703-877-2879. And typically what I'll do is if it's at a stormwater pond, I'll go out and take a look at it, and then I'll notify USGS or the Virginia Department of Game and Inland Fisheries, and they have a number of programs and research projects that are focusing on this plant and are tracking its spread throughout Fairfax County. Mm -hmm. All right. So that number you gave, is that that your number or is that like a main number for the division? That's my number directly. Okay. All Mm -hmm. right. So 703-877-2879, and they can talk directly to you. That's right. Wow. Okay. Great customer service there, folks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, again, don't want folks just going out there pulling up stuff in, in ponds and that type of stuff, shorelines, um, call John, talk to you about it, maybe take a picture or something. You can figure out how to get it emailed or whatever so you can you know get some visuals on it, that type of thing. Um, as we're heading into the, the fall, winter, and then the, the coming spring, anything to keep in mind during the, the next you know six, eight months before the next, I guess, blooming or flowering season starts? Um, all I can say, you know, this time of year, you're not going to really see see it emerged. Mm-hmm. So as we get into spring, just 
keep an eye out uh, on your pond or lake or if you're near the Potomac, slow-moving part of the Potomac, and if you start seeing plants you don't recognize or mm. plants emerging in large numbers in areas where you haven't traditionally seen them over the past few years, uh, it might be it might be worth the phone call and or just, you know, like, like you were saying, snap a picture and I'll send you my email address and uh, we can hash out if this is actually uh, the water type of water chestnut that we're concerned about here mm-hmm. in the county. Okay. Yeah, and that would help with, with your work and the county's work with USGS and trying to identify where it, where it's at and where it's spread and, and, mm-hmm. and how to slow down or stop that spread. That's right. All right. Last couple of seconds. Any final thought? Anything I haven't asked? Uh, anything you want to kind of end, end the show on? No, I mean, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, I'm happy uh, to be working with USGS on this project, helping them track down where we can actually find the stuff. And uh, I'm anticipating working with uh, possibly some private homeowners or other divisions within Fairfax Mm -hmm. County uh, to address this plant where it pops up in the future. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, keep that in mind. And again, is uh, maybe not so much now, but uh, keep in mind when the spring comes back around and the weather starts warming up and you're out and about and you see something, you know, maybe on the shoreline you're not uh, recognizing, give John a call and talk with him. He's the an ecologist with maintenance and stormwater management in the county's Department of Public Works and Environmental Services. And you can call him direct at 703-877-2879. John, thanks for being with us on the County Conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you for being with us as well, listening to the County Conversation. We appreciate that. If you need to get more Fairfax County news and event information, we encourage you to go online to fairfaxcounty.gov news, or you could call 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329, weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Thanks again for listening to the County Conversation, produced by the Fairfax County Virginia Government.